Welcome to Cruise Club. We feel the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 47, Top Gun Maverick from 2022. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, this is our first Cruise Club in two years. We've done, like, Hanks finished later because Hanks had more movies, way more movies. Yeah, yeah. And then Hanks has had movies that come out since then. But we have mm-hmm. not tapped into the well. His last movie was Fallout. Like, that's... Crazy. That's crazy, and it feels like his next movie is also going to be Mission Impossible, but we'll talk about that. But yeah, we had Hanks in the Old West, we had Hanks in the Future, um, but yeah, Tom Cruise has been missing, glad to have him back. These movies, both Maverick and Mission Impossible, I guess, 7, which is now called Dead Reckoning Part 1, were supposed to come out, I think, 2020. They were both supposed to come out like that year, right? And then COVID pushed them back, so like there was always going to be like a gap. There's going to be a gap of like two years, but it's been four years, a presidential cycle <laughs> yeah. since a Tom Cruise movie. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I will say that this movie did not surprise me once. Uh, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And it was everything I wanted and everything I could have asked for. And I loved it. <laughs> OK, good. I was hoping I was hoping for that last part to come out as well instead of like it's everything I thought it was going to be and derivative and un- uninspired. But no, it's not. I loved it, too. So I'm glad uh, we both saw the same movie. Awesome. <laughs> like, it's cliche, and it's predictable, and it's everything that you think from the first movie, and they're like, they're going to bring mm-hmm. this back, they're going to remix this, they're going to do this, it's everything you think it's going to be, and it doesn't matter, because it's perfect. Yeah, It's yeah. so fun, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it somehow fits the mold of Top Gun in a, re- a weird way, not that there's many of them to sort of you know, I guess, like, make up a mold yet or anything, but, like... Firebirds, Top Gun, (laughs) end of list. Yeah, but Top Gun 1 was, like, you know, we talked about such a big piece of propaganda that there's, like, barely Mm -hmm. a movie in there, but it's still a lot of fun and terrific to watch and very impressive looking and all that, and I feel like they did sort of the same thing here with nostalgia as well. Like, there's still the Navy, of course, but now there's also um, sort of like the member berries, and like, they don't taste sour, you know? I was like, good, this this feels like um, a a franchise now that, that this works well in, as opposed to feel sort of like shoved in in some of the Star Wars stuff recently i was reading a thing in vulture this afternoon uh about top gun maverick and i didn't i was i was mostly skimming because i didn't want to read it ahead of time but it was basically about how this is kind of like a retrospective on tom cruise's career and it's something we talked about while we were doing this show that for years and years and years he had no sequels that obviously this movie like was a huge hit in the 80s like one of the 10 biggest films of the 80s could have had a sequel he's like no because sequels back then different story than today right Right. And then he does Mission Impossible sequels, but for a while, it's only Mission Impossible. And then you look back at, like, what he's done recently, and it's like, Edge of Tomorrow's gonna have a sequel. There's a Mission Impossible, there's the two Jack Reacher movies. The Mummy was supposed to be a thing, right? Like, an American Made was not a thing, but, like, most of what he's done in the last decade has been franchise stuff. And it's, like, a different kind of thing. And so this Vulture piece was talking about how, like, this is kind of like a retrospective on his career because... He is kind of like a dying breed, like both in the movie mm-hmm. and in real life. He's the only actor who is still doing stunts. He's not really, but I mean, like, sort of, right? Like, that's not crazy to say. American actor. Like, in an at era least, of green yeah. screen, mm-hmm. he is demanding people fly actual planes. And it, it, it shows because it feels like they're flying planes because they are flying planes. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too, I get is like I get the feel of sort of movies from when I was growing up, movies from the age of the original Top Gun. This feels more in line with that, which I guess are now classic films. Um, But yeah, you know, it's refreshing the way that he is trying to start these franchises um, on his own and has been trying to gain steam because he's competing with Marvel. He's competing with DC. He's competing with all Mm -hmm. of these young adult series out there as well. And I like that kind of comparison as this being, you know, very much about Tom Cruise and himself because, uh, you know, Maverick, the character and Tom Cruise share a lot of similarities. Like, you know, there's not very much of a family life. They're workaholics and they're daredevils. Like, it just seems kind of like I'm watching the movie and I'm going like, how much of this is like biographical in a sense? Or how much is this like, you know, him working things out or whatever? So I enjoyed it on that level too. Yeah, there was a quote today that said, like, my days off are when I'm doing press junkets. Like, I don't take time off. Like, this is like when I'm not Eesh. when I'm not working, I'm doing press. It's just like, that's not not working, man. Like, that's a different part of the job. <laughs> yeah. so he just, he's just saying he doesn't he never stops working. And also to that end, I love like for a while I wasn't act, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't like forefront of my mind. But at the end, spoilers, this is also going to have spoilers. So if you if you haven't seen the movie yet, you want to go in fresh, even though, again, you could you could pretty much map it out yourself without seeing it. Uh, again, not a not a bad thing. So if you don't want it spoiled, listen after you watch. But at the end, after he gets taken down, he crashes. He starts running, and I'm like, fuck yeah, yep, like of yep. course, okay, good. Now, but like I wasn't thinking like he has to run, and then he runs a couple times there at the end. I'm like, okay, cool. But like again, it's the retro. It's like you're, it's hitting the greatest. It's the greatest hits of his career. It's him now in a different kind of role, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's still like he's like I still got it. Like he's yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I thought about too. It's another movie where he dies, but doesn't you know like he's thought dead, but comes mm-hmm. back to life. Like that's very much in line with uh, with him. Uh, yeah, and there's also sort of I felt this very I don't know if it was a winking kind of a nod thing at the end there or something but like the whole movie was sort of to me uh, I felt a little bit of like maybe trying to say I'm I'm ready to pass the torch to whoever's next or I'm ready to move on and even Val Kilmer's character when we get there you know uh, he's in here. Like one of his big things is like let it go, you know. And it's like, oh yeah, I finally think like maybe he will die. Maybe he will let this go. But then at the end, it's kind of like, no, I'm sticking around for good. Like it's, you know, like it's just I've got a new wingman and like I'm all rejuvenated. It almost reminded me a little of the end of uh, the new Matrix when Trinity and Neo are are together at the end, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna stick around for a while. Like <laughs> you thought we might pass the torch, but nah, we've got a little more juice left. Yeah, that's what's weird. Like, I was thinking a little bit of our boy Mutt Williams, Shia LaBeouf from Indiana oh, yeah, Jones 4, yeah. because there's Indy 5, and this kind of feels like a, hey, is Miles Teller going to take it over? But again, it's like, no, nah, Tom Cruise still has it, right? Like, he could do, because again, I was saying you can kind of predict what's going to happen, but like, if he died in this movie, I would be surprised because Tom Cruise doesn't really die, but I also wouldn't be surprised. It's like, okay, like, this is truly the passing yeah. of the torch, but also... Tom Cruise, the actor, is not ready to pass the torch. Right. They're doing two more Mission Impossible movies. They're doing another Live, Die, Repeat, and Tomorrow, right? So, like, they're doing these more... He's still going to be doing this until I think he literally cannot anymore. Yeah, yeah. And and I think also what they did that was smart in this is now that we're out of the classroom and onto missions, like, I'm down for Top Gun, like, another mission. Like, you know, whatever. Like, Top Gun instead of Maverick, like, Top Gun, you know... 
I don't know, D-Day, or I don't just give it give it another name, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they are also mm-hmm. setting it up to give it legs if people like this one and want to see more of this kind of stuff. Like, there, it's it's not very hard to put a Top Gun movie together, which is, like, kind of cool. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard to fly these planes. I'm just saying, like, you don't need a lot of story. Like, a very cool mission like this movie has, like, some very colorful, cool characters, young good actors and you're good to go but it sounds harder now that i say it so never mind <laughs> i guess it is very difficult well that's like like that's what when we did the transporter movies for too fast and i was just like you need to have more ideas and joe's like it's so hard to, i'm like yeah then don't make a movie so like you need the you need the parts in place and like you need the actors you need the story you need the action you need the set pieces and like if you have it all which this movie does then you do it if not i think even tom cruise is like i don't need the paycheck i only mm. want to do it if it's going to be great yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah and this movie even you know we're both been saying like you can sort of see where it's going it goes two or three places i was not expecting and definitely in the third act i thought the movie was over and it was one of those times where i was glad it wasn't you know sometimes you know as much as i love the new batman it i I was like it, it felt like it had one or like two or three endings like still great but like i don't know sometimes you they feel a little more tacked on than you want them to and i felt like this one worked really well for for what it was going for Right. Like, there's the end where I was... One quick thing that I want to go back to what this movie's actually about, but, like, at the end, when, like, they celebrate, like, they are victorious at the end, they're on the, the aircraft carrier, it's like, this could, this could end the movie. But it's like, no, like, we have to go back to Jennifer Connelly. We have to close that loop. And so then he goes to the bar, and she's not there, and then they go to the, he goes back to work and whatever, and then she shows up, and then they drive off to Lady Gaga. It's like, okay, cool. We are finally, <laughs> like, this is actually can be the end of the movie, and it's perfect, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Like, it felt like there was an, one extra ending, but, like, you kind of have to have that, because otherwise, mm-hmm. if you don't have that, that whole, like, romance subplot doesn't matter right because it's just like we're not going to resolve it it's fine she left or whatever or they'll get by who cares yeah but here the fact that they drive off together and then fly off together it's like no this matters it's a happy yeah you know it's funny i wasn't even thinking of that but i was just thinking like the mission ends and the movie's not over like there's a whole sort of like rescue mission after the mission that's the part that like i was like whoa what cool uh this is like beyond top gun now like now they're doing pow search and rescue like this they're on the ground so like that threw me that was a new stuff seeing them on the ground that moment where they have to like hijack the jet and stuff or steal the- well, it was also funny like in the middle of the movie when jennifer Connolly is sailing the ship and he's like I yes don't, i'm yes. not i don't do boats she's like you're in the navy he's like yeah but i don't do boats like i do i do planes yeah. so like it's again the same thing it's like it should be in his purview kind of it's not what he does but they do it in this movie yeah very cool it's it's like character development that they've been doing on Maverick between the two movies that we're actually seeing sort of playing out a bit more. So it was nice to see him get fleshed out a bit more, be um, a little more dimensional here, be a little more resourceful. That was cool. Yes. So quick plot summary, or I'll I'll just run through the summary, I guess. No need to be quick about it. So this takes place in modern day-ish, and there is a nuclear armament somewhere. I don't know if, did they ever, do they name the country or no? I don't believe, I think they just say hostile territory a couple times. Yeah, and they're like, our allies in the region. We're also doing this just having seen it in theaters. Obviously, we don't have it at home, so there's no notes. We're just, we're we're freestyling. So there's like this very complicated maneuver that they have to do. While that is going on, Tom Cruise is leading this group of people who are trying to build a plane to fly Mach 10. Because it basically seems like America is falling behind in the, like, armament military race. And, like, we need to up our game because also there's the fifth generation flight, the fifth generation fighter pilots and planes and whatever that the other 
whoever our enemies are here, whatever, uh, are flying. And so we need to up our game. So there's like two fronts there. And he hits Mach 10 and then crashes. And he basically, instead of getting kicked out and like dishonorably discharged, he is saved by Iceman, who is now an admiral in the Navy. And he's like, you need to teach Top Gun because you need to pull off this job. Here's 12 people. You need to pick six. One's going to be the team leader. I need to make sure that they do this. Oh, by the way, you have three weeks to train them. Like, they're already great, but, like, this is a tall order. Uh, good luck. Yeah, that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he learns that uh, he's got to teach them to fly like him <laughs> or something. Like, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. He, he, he like runs a class on how to be maverick <laughs> basically i like it i like i like that idea you know it's like he was he was the student and now he's the teacher and it's like does he have what it takes to really be the teacher and then they throw in that nice subplot about trying to be a father figure and and all that mm-hmm. it's like yeah there there's there's just enough going on here the relationship with penny the mission um all the callbacks like i'm very pleased with uh with the balance of everything. Sometimes the balance can be off on, on this type of revisit, but I liked it a lot. No, it works. And I think that what you were saying before about like the passing the torch, like as Tom Cruise, it's also like as, or as Maverick, it's also Tom Cruise, right? It's just like, yeah, it can one of you take my place? The answer is no. Like Miles Teller is I, close. Get I'm it. up and down with him. Like he's kind <laughs> of like, he's got a reputation or whatever. I think he's great in the things he's great in, but like, he's not Tom Cruise. Uh, Glenn Powell's not Tom Cruise. No, you know who I thought might make it what, there someday was John Hamm. And then I was like, oh, man, like, I love you on TV. What's happened when you're, like, in movies? What happened? Uh, I hear he's going to be Fletch, so I guess he's getting another go-around at the big screen. Fingers are crossed for John Hamm. Yeah, I don't know. I forgot how he was in this because, like, he's a friend of the podcast Never Not Funny, and I listened to that, and, like, he was on while he was filming this. It's like, I can't tell you anything about it. And, like, it was a bummer. Like, it doesn't make sense for him to be... In the in the in the in the air, right? But like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted to see him in the air. I know, and they even made some sort of coy line about like, oh, he was top of his class in '88. Uh, you know, was that the year after Top Gun came out, or the year before? Maybe like, I, you know, it's almost saying like to me, like Tom Cruise is still around, and that's why John Hamm is in a chair. You know what I mean? Like, he's still mm-hmm. taking John Hamm's roles, like or something. Yeah. Uh, so let's run through the 12. I mean, not really all 12, because there's like seven maybe that matter. There's Miles Teller as mm-hmm. Rooster, who plays Goose's kid. And he is, I think the interesting backstory here is that like Tom Cruise tried to, Maverick tried to like stop his career by pulling his papers. Because like, I promised your mom, we find out we find out toward the end of the movie, I promised your mom that I wouldn't let you fly, even though he all he wants to do is fly. And so I thought it was yeah. nice that it's just not like, I don't want to see him die. But I also want to make sure that like, I, res- I, I pay respect to his to, to my friend, to my dead friend's wife, to this kid's mom, right? So I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Tom uh, Maverick grieving the entire film, basically, you know, about Goose. And Goose comes up a lot, a lot. And so I like, yeah, they, they're they both good actors in this. There's a nice dynamic between the two, and they don't have a lot of time to establish and then sort of repair this relationship. And I think they did a, a really good job. And, and they play a lot of it out in the air, too. So I think they, they work that out well movie-wise. And seeing them together in the F-14 at the end was very cool. Because, like, they have that moment yes. right before they take off, or right before the mission, where he's just like, we'll talk when we get back. And so, like, in that way, it's kind of like, they're not going to die. Like, they have to have this conversation, right? And, like, they don't really have the conversation, but they have more than a conversation because they are co-pilot. Like, you know, it's it's a goose right. situation again, right? So, yeah, they have an ex- share, they share an experience, and, like, they bond over an actual, like, encounter instead. Yeah, it was very cool. 
We've got Glenn Powell as Hangman, who is, I guess, the, like, Iceman, basically, right? Like, yeah. one of the best pilots, and he is Glenn Powell from Everybody Wants Him, who's great. He's from Scream Queens. He's from a bunch of stuff. He's so annoying. Like, he's so cocky. Like, he almost feels like a Miles Teller character in another movie, but, like, Glenn <laughs> Powell somehow out-Miles Tellers him. Yeah. Hangman feels like he is ripped directly from like a draft of the first movie you know and there Mm -hmm. were just too many characters that were too similar so they had to like combine a couple but yeah he he works really well in sort of bringing back the vibe of what top gun is like the sort of the threat of top gun and to be the best and like is also sort of like to to deal with the most annoying you know person and all these like attitudes and egos and everything and so uh he was good because he also was like a likable asshole, right? Like he didn't yeah. go, he never really went too far. Uh, I enjoyed that he didn't uh, like backstab anybody at the end and leave them hanging, as it were. Yes, that was his his claim to fame, right? That he leaves them hanging out to dry. I also got to say, like his call sign on his helmet is the coolest thing I've seen. Where it's just the it's like the hangman game with the A's missing, and so it's like he's mm. once he's one away from winning or one away from like losing or whatever. And so the actual like lettering on his helmet is just so cool, like. We've got uh, Monica Barbaro or Barbaro as Phoenix, who was kind of like, other than Jennifer Connelly, like the only girl, the only woman in this movie. There is another female cadet, but like in the background, basically, like we don't even like her name is Halo. We don't really know her, but Phoenix rules. Yeah, it feels almost like there's a lot on the cutting room floor because there's a lot of cadets we don't really get to know. And I don't mind that, you know, I like kind of forget about them. I like the ones that we're focused on. And it's sort of like the ones we focus on are the ones that knew each other best from prior school experience whatever what have you and stuff so like that was a nice scene in the bar when they're all meeting together and stuff but i could have sort of like i really enjoyed her character but i didn't like how the movie kept reminding us that like we had a female pilot you know because especially hangman would just be like hey guys oh no offense or like I think it's the action movie cliche, the shortcut, just like, oh, like, here's mm-hmm. how, here's a cocky asshole, and oh, she's a girl, but she can keep up with the boys, and, like, it's not great, but I also do like that she is able to defend herself, like, are you going to be okay with him calling you a man? And she's like, as long as he doesn't call you one, right? There's, like, there's yeah, jabs yeah. that she she gives back that work, but you're right. Um, I know I only know her, like, she looks so familiar, and I don't know, I've seen her in Unreal, which is a, uh, based on, like, a, it's a scripted show about a reality dating show on, that was on Lifetime, which sounds weird, but I love, it was a great show. Huh. Uh, she was in, I think, one season, maybe. Uh, I feel like I've seen other stuff, I can't find her in other stuff, so maybe I haven't, but she's great. Um, her co-pilot in a Foxtrot plane was Bob as played by Lewis Pullman, who I know from the being the like desk boy, the front desk clerk in Bad Times of the El Royale, Lewis Pullman. Do you know him from anything or no? Uh, no, I'm looking at his lineup here. I've seen a bunch of stuff. Like I saw Battle of the Sexes. I watched some of Catch-22. I think that was the Clooney Catch-22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw El Royale. I started Outer Range. I don't, but I don't recognize him from anything. I feel like even from his pictures on Google and stuff, like his the glasses is like a Clark Kent effect. Like he put the glasses on in this movie, and and it's like he's now a completely different character, person, or whatever. Like his face has totally changed to me. Yeah, like I've seen, I saw El Royale like twice in theaters, and like another one or two times at home. So like I've seen him a lot in that, and like I'm like, oh, as soon as I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. But it just feels like I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's also in Pink Skies Ahead, which was the movie that Kelly Oxford wrote and directed. I don't know who he was in that. He's fifth build. 
I don't know. Um, but, you know, he's great. And I, I like the two of them together because he, you know, it's not very visible. It's not very focused on, but he really grows in this movie. I mean, they all do, but like he kind of really grows in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He He's most uh, on the outside. Like they didn't even know he's there. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the end, he's like a hero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Jay Ellis as Payback, who is the other Foxtrot pilot um, who goes on the trip. He's this dude's like forty, so it's not like I, I really? thought these guys were all supposed to be like, yeah, he's he he will turn forty one, so he might have been you know thirty seven, thirty eight when he filmed this. Hmm. I think he's best known for playing Lawrence on Insecure. He's like the male lead on that HBO show with Issa Rae, yep. Insecure. Yeah, but he's I, been in a ton of things, and he's yeah. good. I mean, doesn't have a ton to do here, but he's good. I like the Escape Room movies. He's in the first one of those. Okay. I thought I heard him, maybe, I feel like he was on Bang Bang, Comedy Bang Bang 2. Like, he has, I feel like, more comedy chops than, I mean, even Insecure, like, as much as that's a drama, I feel like it's a dramedy. But I like his timing. He's really cool in this. I like Payback as a call sign and everything. But, yeah, I, I, I recognized it. I was glad to see him here. It looks like he was on one episode of Paul's show, Spontanea Nation. Okay. I know that from Insecure, what's his name? Langston Kerman. Langston's been on Bang Bang a few times. Like he, okay. he comes back. He was only in seven episodes, though. Like Lawrence was one of the leads, but yes. So there is a crossover between Insecure because Issa Rae, very funny. That show, not really a comedy, but kind of a comedy. So, yeah. And then his co-pilot was Danny Ramirez playing Fanboy. He was one of the male leads in Assassination Nation, but like, eh... Uh, he's also in Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> what he's was also that? in. Eh. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, that movie's not about the dudes. It's about the women, right? I know, I know. Movies. Yeah. True. So just like, true. that doesn't really help me. Uh, he was in the Valley Girl remake, but I think he's probably best known for being in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Wait a second. Is he fucking Jason on The Good Place? No. He is, isn't he? No, this is Danny Ramirez, not oh, Manny Jacinto. Oh, I'm sorry. I clicked on the. But he is in Top Gun. He plays Fritz. Whoa! Wow, Manny Jacinto. I didn't. I did not see him in this movie. See, I'm telling you, like, there's a lot on the cutting room floor. Like, this is tripping me out because I'm going through the cast list at the same time, but I clicking on different people that I. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Wild. No, 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 no. That's crazy, man. Like that. I was just like, no. I. You just heard the name wrong. I'm like, that's not even close. But no, he's in this movie. I don't know where. This is wild stuff. So like, the movie is two hours and. 13, 2 hours and 11 minutes, and, like, it doesn't feel long, but, like, I wouldn't want it to be longer, you know what I mean? So, like... Yeah, but imagine more of that camaraderie-building stuff instead of, sort of, the fetishizing the jets taking off and landing so much and fueling up, like... Give me an extra 30 minutes of this. I'm I'm digging the atmosphere. I like the tone of this movie. There's, like, a playful seriousness... While I'm going, like, I'm concerned and there's stakes and drama, but, like, I'm not, I'm more or less just having fun. Like, I'm not really that concerned. Like, I think that comes into the difficulty of balancing a Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise movie, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, of balancing a Tom Cruise movie with, like, just, like, a good movie with story development, right? Like, it's just, like, yeah, you yeah. can't have too much with just the kids because then Tom Cruise doesn't really have a reason to be around. I think they have a good amount of that with the pool table, I think the football scene where Tom Cruise is there and like, yeah. instead of the shirtless volleyball, it's shirtless beach football, which is great. I think they have, a, I guess, maybe one or two more of those could work. But considering you need to keep Tom Cruise in the focus here, I think they do a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. And they even found room to fit Val Kilmer in uh, very well, very respectfully. Yeah. I mean, they mentioned it seemed like he was a big 
his character anyway was mentioned a lot by name so it seemed like you know appropriate at least to spend time cuz like there. in real life he is he he lost his he lost most of his voice right like that right, is something right. that's most of the movie he's texting with Maverick and then there's a scene and like his wife is you know he's like is it back and she's like yeah no one knows yet and they like they chat like he's he types to Tom Cruise he types to Maverick Maverick responds and then they they say a few things and then like a couple scenes later you know he passes away but yeah. I think he's great. He looks great. Yeah, yeah. I think this is most likely his final screen appearance, and I think it was extremely dignified and uh, really well done, you know? And, yeah. I, I was very surprised that it was a full scene, that it was that long. I definitely thought it was just going to be like a, I don't know, he's in the room, but he's, you know, with like a bunch of other generals, but he doesn't say right. anything, but it's not. It's like a very intimate scene, just him and Tom Cruise, so... And it ends so well, just like he says one of the very few like three <laughs> lines he might have is like, who's the better pilot? He's like, come on, man. It's a nice moment. Don't ruin it. So I thought that was great. A lot of nice little chuckles uh, throughout the entire film, actually. I, I saw it at like uh, four in the afternoon, and it was uh, more than half-filled IMAX theater on a Thursday, and people were, were falling for all the gags and all the jokes and everything. So it played really well all around. Yeah. Like I, I could hear some sniffles during, during the Val Kilmer sequence. And then we have John Hamm as Cyclone, Bashir Salahuddin as Hondo, and Charles Parnell as Warlock, the three guys who are kind of like the the brass, so to speak, who are all in different levels of like how much they're willing to tolerate Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it feels like Hondo the most, but... <laughs> yes, Hondo the most, Warlock in the middle, like I think secretly, I think on the inside, he's enjoying it as much as Hondo, but he just can't say that and then... You know, Cyclone definitely John Hamm least least a fan of yeah. him. But what do you think of those three guys? Anything to to say about them? I loved that Tom Cruise had like a best friend. You know, <laughs> this guy Hondo, who like he helps him build the jet, the the top secret test pilot jet, and then he like drags him over to Top Gun with him to be you know like help him out as an instructor assistant or something. I don't know, counting the push ups, doing things. Yeah, Charles Purnell was good. I think we were sort of wondering if he was from the first movie, but but not. But he's not. He's uh, no. He started acting, but he feels like someone who went to school, like sort of sort of stuck around, right? Like it feels yeah. like he was in class with him. So I think that's what if, if that's what they were going for. It definitely felt like it, they nailed it. Yeah, and there's other moments like when we talk about Penny too, where it feels like they're referring back to like Top Gun 1.5 or something, or like a Top Gun 2 script that never got off the ground, but they wanted to use elements of, you know, from the 90s or something where he had, like, we were going to refer to all the stuff from from that unseen movie at some point. And I think, like, John Hamm might have also been a part of that as well because, like, he gets, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like, he's sort of like, oh, I was the maverick of, of my school or something. Like, that's how he feels. And so there seems to be some kind of resentment because, like, he had to follow the rules and Maverick didn't. And it's like, I, uh, you know, everyone tries to be like you but can't and I should have been. There seems to be something unspoken like that animosity between them. So I think they, yeah. they had good chemistry like that. Like, they were good enemies for the most part. I'm looking now at the IMDb trivia, which we're going to get to because there's some good stuff. I did not pre-screen this on a sort of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll screen it in editing. Uh, but the only people <laughs> to return from the first movie are Cruz and Kilmer. So, like, everybody else, even though they, I think the fact that they feel lived in and they feel like you're saying like a Tom, a Top Gun one. I keep saying Top Gun and Tom. Like, it's just, it's too close Tom, in my brain. Tom, Tom Gun. <laughs> Tom Gun. Uh, the fact that there's like kind of this like one and a half or whatever, like, I think it, it's 
I think that's just like good character development or mm-hmm. it's the right type of element or like they're, they're using cliches in the right kind of way because it feels earned. Yeah, it feels like the same universe, I guess, is basically what I, what, I, what my brain is trying to say to itself is like this, this just it feels almost like Tony Scott directed it in a lot of ways right like it feels like in his yep. style like mm-hmm. stylistically tonally um montage like it all kind of you know doesn't repeat but follows and kind of tries to expand or yeah do something with uh like the structure of the first movie because it's not like other films you know like we've talked about that before like it's just not like they just shove so much of that jet stuff and propaganda and, and that's fine. Like it's a miracle that it's like they could do that without getting so called out for it and still be so entertaining. Um, so like, there's definitely less of that here, more story. And I think they did that well. I think it's, it's uh, easy to say yes, but like this stand, like you don't have to have seen the first one to like or appreciate this one. It'll, it'll help, mm-hmm. but like you can watch this one on your own without like having seen the first one probably. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, they're even referring to things you and I are learning about for the first time, right? So yeah. I feel like the the things they want you to know about from the first movie, they really hammer home, like Iceman and Goose. And Goose's son is even just like a little Marty McFly clone version of himself. You know what I mean? It's like Back yes. to the Future yep. too. It's like Miles Teller looks exactly like Goose did in the first movie. So it's like, I don't think you're going to get lost on that at all. Also, and I know that they've done this in other Tom Cruise movies, especially with Henry Cavill, like, literally being Superman, you know, coming from shooting Superman and shooting this and whatever. But, like, there are scenes where Tom Cruise is looking up at Miles Teller, who probably has, like, six or eight inches. Like, he's, like, way taller, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you think we think about, like, early in his career where they're, like, digging trenches to, like, make sure that people, like, that he looks as tall, if not taller. And here it's just, like, no, like, it's intimate. Like, he's just, like, he's remembering, like, literally embodying Goose and uh, embodying Anthony Edwards. Yeah, it's scary how much he does look like Anthony Edwards. And even and when the mustache doing... helps too, right? <laughs> yeah, the mustache, the glasses, the great balls of fire. But um, I don't know. There's something even about like he's got sort of a longer face. I feel Miles Teller has like this length to his face that Anthony yeah. Edwards did. Um, but I think Miles Teller is, you know, whatever it is. I mean, he, he is good in, what, in, in good stuff. He's good in good stuff. I think he's going to be around more. Like the thing that I that threw me off is he has like a superhero body in this movie. I was like, that's jarring. There's there's trivia about that. I will get to. (laughs) All right. But so Kelly McGillis, obviously not back. Meg Ryan as Carol, like just, just, Oh no, she died. It's like, that's kind of a bummer. Like just, all right. Like I guess you're not going to bring her back. Right. They used the footage from the first movie. Which was very nice. But I do want to talk about the music. Before we get to that, I'll I'll say the trivia for the end, but the music, because you mentioned the great balls of fire, a lot of eighties music here. It all works well. It's not songs, I don't think, like some of them, like, you know, Danger Zone, obviously, in this movie, the original score, like the, the opening yeah, piece the, is beautiful. The bombs. But I think it's like a, it's just... Like, yeah, the bells it's good. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very good, you know? I mean, it sounds like a Navy theme, you know, mm-hmm. which those have to be catchy because they're jingles, it, you know, but I like it. It builds really nicely. I liked how it exploded into Danger Zone immediately, you know, as they were taken off in the opening credits. I was like, okay, I'm down for all of this. Like, they're they're really just, you know, giving giving you what you want. I was surprised there was no, uh, you lost that love and feeling, though. I thought for sure they were going to sneak that in somewhere. In the bar in the beginning, 
beginning-ish, no, in the beginning, when Penny is there and, like, I think it's Glenn Powell goes over to the jukebox and hits 8-6 for 1986 for Top Gun. I was like, oh, this is going to be Lost at Love and Feeling, but it's, like, a different song. It's a different 80s song. I'm like, oh, okay. But I was I was right there with you. I'm like, okay, here's the one song I'm waiting on. And, like, I was like, is Take, take My Breath Away? No, that that's too on the nose, but... That's not there either. That that's no. that's gone too. Yeah, all the ballads are replaced by the. Is Lady Gaga singing lyrics to the, to the score, or is well, that so like okay, a whole new so song? Lady Gaga <laughs> did "Hold My Hand," which is an amazing song that should get nominated for an Oscar. I hope it wins an Oscar because I hope Lady Gaga wins an Oscar so we can have Academy Award winner Lady Gaga. Her song is incredible. She also worked with Hans Zimmer on the score. So I don't know if you. Had you heard, did you, had, did you listen to, had you heard that song she wrote before seeing this movie or no? No, I did not. Okay, because the score throughout is that same melody. Like her, Hold My oh. Hand, is throughout the entire thing. And so I listened to that song a bunch because I love Lady Gaga. And so I knew that song really well. And so you hear it at one point in the bar. I think maybe when he goes to pay her, maybe it's playing. Um, and then it transitions into the score. And then the score, like the overlude and the intro, whatever the phrases are, you can hear the notes from Hold My Hand. And then when it kicks in at the end and she's singing, I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. I, I was not aware of any of that. I just I didn't know Gaga did the song to the movie. I didn't know they did songs to the movie anymore. That's great. I love that they're like maybe bringing that back. That's a very 80s, 90s kind of vibe too very top gun vibe yeah the song is great the music video for that song is great because she's like just doing her gaga thing and she's playing like the piano in the mid on the runway in the middle of the desert and like a plane does a flyover over her and it's it's so cool it's so (laughs) while she's on a piano it's it's amazing it's Hmm. go watch that it's so good okay i want to mention you said that miles teller has the super body the superman superhero body in this movie yeah so the shirtless beach volleyball montage had to be shot twice because Tom Cruise did not find the first version good enough. The reshoot placed additional pressure on the actors to get their ripped bodies back to reshoot their scene because Glenn Powell said, quote, we shot it and that night we all went out for milkshakes and tater tots, just like splurge and everybody had a beer. And a week later, Tom's like, we got to shoot it again. It wasn't good enough. We're going to shoot it again. And then everybody's back in the gym again, day and night. And so, yeah, because like there's that scene like Bob is wearing a T-shirt, which makes <laughs> yeah. sense because he's uh-huh. not, you know. He's not meant to be ripped. He's not a superhero in this movie. He's not that mentality, yeah. But, yeah, Miles Teller, uh, Tom Cruise, obviously, Glenn Powell are just, like, enormous. It's like Nick Cage Ghost Rider abs. They're, like, insane, which I guess, I you know, it came out those were real abs. Those were not CGI, apparently, according to Cage. Uh, But they're... It, he, he's like Captain America looking. Like, it's like, Mr. Yeah. Fantastic, what what happened to you? <laughs> I mean, there was... You saw Doctor Strange 2. Oh, yes, we talked about this already. Spoilers, yeah, yeah, yeah. brief spoilers for Doctor Strange 2. Uh, but the, the, the actor who plays Mr. Fantastic uh, has a superhero body, right? Like, so he's also ripped. So it's just like, Good this call. is just what, what male actors now have to look like in movies, right? So... But he played Jack Ryan that guy who was Mr. Yes. Fantastic. So he was already sort of in that mode. Uh, but that's the point. Like, Jack Ryan yeah, yeah. doesn't have to look like a superhero. You're right. He's the analyst that gets stuck in the field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he should have a gut. <laughs> right. Right. So. Should be yeah. like Luis Guzman should play him or something. Yeah. That would be awesome. 
Uh, also trivia, at the, at the insistence of Tom Cruise, there's no green screen or CGI aerial shots. Even the close-up cockpit shots are taken during real in-flight sequences. <clears throat> this meant that much of the cast had to undergo extensive G-Force training sessions to withstand the physical demands of the G-Force pressures during flights. So I knew that because I saw this in IMAX, and instead of... Um, what's her name? Tom Cruise's wife. What was her name? Nicole again? Kidman? So instead of... You know, Nicole Kidman. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. The other half of Eyes Wide Shut and Wears Me Hats and and so and so and and uh, drop the hammer, Harry, and mm-hmm. drop the hammer. I got Tom Cruise shows up and he says, "Thank you for coming to see yep. this in theaters." Mm-hmm. And goes on to say, "Like we're pulling real G's and I'm flying my plane and this is all real." So sit back and enjoy. Yes, the. World War II P-51 Mustang in this movie is his own airplane, him being an accomplished pilot in real life. He would only do this movie if they used real aircraft and not CGI. So, like, that was very important to him. And, like, you know, it it shows. Again, it shows. Hey, I'm starting to wonder if Jennifer Connelly was hired because she knew how to sail that boat. Because it looked like she was sailing that boat, and I, I was scared for Tom He looked scared. Like, he was like, holy shit, I've never done this before action and then like he's just holding on for dear life and it's as if she's telling him like teaching him how to sail a boat in real time i was Mm -hmm. like i wonder if that's how they shot it if he's just like okay on the day we're just gonna do this so we have also on the uh learn by doing kind of so the actors playing the pilots had to film themselves in the sky turning the camera on and off they also had to touch up their own makeup adjust their lighting and handle their own sound and the director, Joseph Kaczynski, had to wait on the ground for hours, sometimes for the actors to come back with the footage. Adjustments would be made, and they would do it again. So just like, Jesus, Whoa. that's crazy. And and this wasn't shot during lockdown, but it would have been the perfect movie to shoot during lockdown, because yeah. you just yeah. sh- every actor is just like on their own, shooting their own shit, doing their own makeup. So in the role of Fur Rooster, Miles Teller was cast. He beat out Nicholas Holt, who played Beast. He also mm. beat out Glenn Powell, who was going out for Rooster. But apparently he impressed Tom Cruise so much and Jerry Bruckheimer that they he beefed up and he became Hangman. So like he wanted to go out for Rooster. But it's it's interesting that we were saying that I said before that his character feels like a Miles Teller character. But like the Miles Teller character was almost a Glenn. Like I can also see that too, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. I th- <sighs> It's not that their characters it's not like it's not like Hangman and, and Rooster are interchangeable or anything like that, but I just feel like they could they could have played each other in a weird way. It would have been different. I don't know. I feel like Miles Teller just has more of sort of um, like his de- I feel like he pulls this demeanor off better and then Glenn Powell being just sort of super duper happy all the time, no matter mm-hmm. what like really works. Like he'd be a good villain in a superhero movie but miles teller i don't know i don't feel like he's got like the brooding down right but it's interesting that's i mean i don't know you hear we've we've heard that several times right where like we may maybe haven't covered those movies but that like actors have sort of like been cast and then those roles wasn't it like cage was supposed to play something and he's like i want to play this role and so he switched roles with the cult leader for mandy or something i don't know. i think so yeah 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 something along those lines i'm trying to think of yeah, I think that they wanted him for the cult. He's like, no, I want to, I want to play the husband. I don't want to do right. the cult leader. Like that's, like, that's what people expect of me. Yeah, yeah. I still hope to see Miles Teller show up in, uh, in the future Marvel movies someday. But we'll see. Well, because the Fan Four stick is the best Fantastic Four movie. Full stop. Until they do a new one, and I'm still gonna, I'm gonna go to bat, I'm gonna go to bat for that Trank movie because I think it's better than people give it credit for. And I also think <laughs> the other, the two from the 2000s are not good, and the 
Corman one is very bad. Well, there's a multiverse now, so all holds no holds barred. That's what true, say, right? No hold. All bets are off. All the cast got to choose their own call signs. So Miles Teller chose Rooster because it's like Goose, which is cool. Uh, he said that three of the six new actors threw up every day filming on the Jets. Did not say I which three, but yep. yeah, I could see uh, that. They developed they developed Sony Venice six K full frame cameras to film the cockpit sequences. They literally built. It's like a James Cameron thing. Like we're building new cameras mm-hmm. to film what we want to do. It's amazing now. Like, we could fit our IMAX in a cockpit. Like, George Lucas's dream come true. Like, ever since Red Tails, that's what he's been trying to do with, like, cameras is shrink them down and pump up that rev- resolution. More trivia about the physiques that Miles Teller was saying that they all were trying to one-up each other on, like, who could get most ripped. And Glenn Powell was surprised by Miles Teller's physique. Powell looked at his body and said, quote, Jesus, dude, I thought you were a character actor. What have you been doing? He said, I've been hitting the gym, mate, hitting the gym hard. Powell praises <laughs> co-star and Miles Teller's body's on display in this movie. A shot of Teller rippling his shredded abs is included in the second trailer for the film. Yeah, it's so weird because I've been watching him in that Nicholas Wendon Refn. I've been finishing that show on Amazon, Too Old to Die Young. Yeah. And... He, like, barely moves in that show for most of it. Like, no one really does. Like, it's like watching paint dry, but but I love it. And then to see him here, just, like, it just really threw me again. Because, again, I know him a lot from, like, more of his, like, I guess he does mostly indie stuff. I like Whiplash a lot. But, yeah, I'm not going to get that, going to be thinking, like, it's going to be bothering me or whatever. It's going to be on my mind for a couple days to just be like, it's just... It's like when Paul Rudd got ripped for Ant-Man, you know? It's like, first of all, you're Ant-Man. You don't need to be ripped. And you're right. Paul Rudd. Like, why? <laughs> it just looks wrong. <laughs> well, that's also the thing where, like, people, when there was Fat Thor in the MCU, people were like, oh, like, Chris, like, good for Chris Hemsworth saying that, like, you don't have to be ripped to be a superhero. Like, you're literally a god. You are one of the most powerful beings in the universe, and you could be fat. And now for Love and Thunder, it's just like, oh, no, he's just fully shredded again. Like, just, I guess this is what we have yeah. to do now, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Monica Barbaro, who played Phoenix, praised Glenn Powell's spirited performance during the shirtless football sequence. She said, quote, every take you do some sort of celebration. I've never seen him this way. It was peak Glenn energy. If there was a drug, <laughs> everyone would be on it. He was running around screaming. It was like he scored a touchdown in every moment of filming. Did you say that everybody wants some of whatever he's on? Um, I guess so. Bad pun. But she yeah. said, when you put in that effort to become as ripped as you are, you got to celebrate it. It's worth enjoying at that point. It is worth taking your shirt off and dancing. Yeah, I guess so. All of the really long trivia bits on IMDb are all about that shirtless scene, like Glenn Powell talking about, like, he had a pressure to build it up. It's just, like, people want to talk about, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're they're reenacting or recreating one of the most talked about scenes from the 80s cinema, you know? Like, there's been books and papers and lectures and Tarantino rants about, like, the homoerotic sort of connotation of that volleyball sequence and everything and you know so i could understand reporters being like first of all i didn't think they were gonna do anything like that again it didn't cross my mind like when are they gonna get to the volleyball scene you know like the fireworks factory when are we gonna get there uh, and it came up and i was like oh that was kind of a fun surprise i didn't expect that callbacks but i could see reporters kind of harping on that you know being like oh it became such like an iconic moment of the first movie and now we're recreating it like tell me more tell me everything i want everybody's side of it yeah and the only other trivia i want to share i think this might be my coolest one is in the spoiler section but the only pilot the only pilot to crash during training was phoenix monica barbaro 
Named after a mythical bird who rises from its own fiery ashes, she then proceeds to fly in the final mission, which is something I did not think of, and I'm just like, that's really super cool. Like, Whoa. just, she overcomes. She wins. She does it. Nice. Yeah, her call sign became prophecy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I figure we, we could maybe mm. do this again. Like, I realized I was looking at our spreadsheet of these things. I know that Duke wanted to talk about this. I know that Juhi reached out to me, and she wanted to talk about this. I'm like, well, we got a very specific window for, for scheduling purposes, so she couldn't make it, but... Maybe yeah. we'll do this again when it comes to DVD or something, but any other thoughts right now while you're while it's fresh in your brain without notes? Two very quick little things. First, Ed Harris. Nice to see him yeah. here. You know, really commands authority very easily uh, for a very short amount of time. He's kind of scared the pants off me. <laughs> There's that up. scene where he shows up and Tom Cruise has the flyover and the oh. building literally shakes. And I don't know if this was real or if this was CGI or what, but he does not move. And I'm like, Jesus, man, what are you doing? Yeah, and his character is pissed and he yeah. has to sort of give Tom Cruise what he wants through gritted teeth and it, it mm-hmm. pulls that off really well because you could also tell he's kind of happy for him also. Sure. Shit. Uh, it's, that was cool. Um, the director, Joseph Kaczynski, he worked with uh, Hank, uh, Hanks. Sorry, it happens once a show, folks. Tom Tom Club. He worked with Cruise before on Oblivion. Yeah. Directed a movie I love, Tron Legacy. So, yes. Love his aesthetic, love his style. I thought that he was really able to capture the sensation of speed in this movie. No offense to the very beloved Fast and Furious because they're just a very close second to um, sort of conveying. They never say in this movie, I I, I feel the need, do they? I don't believe they say it, but I almost said it after (laughs) because I felt like... I almost at one point got that sensation of falling, you know, like they were going so fast mm. and, and it was just they focused on cockpit shots, uh, especially in the end sequence for a very long time. And when he was banking left and right at the, when he was sort of like showing them like it can be done, it can yep. be done. I was like starting to get a little dizzy. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Well, I do want to say that that's probably the coolest moment in the movie. So after Iceman dies, after Val Kilmer's character passes away, John Hamm's basically in charge. He's like, cool, Maverick, you're done. Like, you know, I, I was only tolerating you because of him. And now that I'm in charge, no more. Maverick goes away. And then they're all there. And John Hamm's character is, I think, either him or one of them is like teaching the new the class like, hey, we've only got a week left. They moved it up and whatever. And then you hear Maverick. It's just like, all right, we're going to do it. And let's put 2.15 on the clock because it's like the, the the goal was three. And he's like, we got to do it in 2.30. So we have extra time. And then he's like, let's do it in 2.15. Whether you're watching him on the screen, like on the little like monitor or watching him, the co- it's just it's the coolest. It's the coolest thing. So, man, I just love that so much. And they're all like, yeah, because John Hamm's like, mm-hmm. you didn't tell them that they could do it. You didn't show them like you didn't do your job. He's like, all right, well, I'll just show them. And he becomes team leader and it works from there. But just like it's so it's yeah. perfect. That was great when he was chewing him out and he's like, but I have to make you team leader. I was like, I, I think that was a moment where I was like, yeah, like in theaters. Like, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the team leader. That's the twist. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you, you, you knew that he had to be team leader. Like, it's like, there's no way that this movie happens. I thought he'd be on the mission somehow, but I didn't, I honestly, like, that really, that never crossed my mind. Like, I'm like, how the hell are they going to get him in the air at the end of this movie? Like, maybe I was just being dunce or dense because, like, I don't know, I just got caught up in it. But I thought for sure he was going to be like, Rooster, you're the team leader, and that was going to be the tension between Hangman at the end and the final mission and stuff. But nope. 
Any other thoughts, any other notes? Anything else you can remember that you want to talk about? Uh, let's see. We talked about him running in the woods. I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. I got that in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, uh, we have another trivia question. Could, uh, the answer is yes, because I think it was yes for the first time. Could his character name be replaced with Lightning McQueen? I think it's still yes, oh, right? Even more so. In that opening sequence of the experimental jet, like I'm sure some of that was, was computer sure. generated, but but like so awesome like conceptually and visually like just stunning stuff um i love that uh th- i thought for sure like there was going to be like a drone involved at some point in this movie because they sort of set up that like you know we're, yeah, in 10 years there won't even be pilots anymore and it's like uh, all right like is is like a droid going to show up at some point in this like is is that the next gen um, aircraft that the enemy has like we go into the cockpit and it's like I don't know not C-3PO but like you know you catch my drift like just yeah, no, it's a robot plane if I read the trivia right or that something movie I stealth? That in one in one <laughs> version of the, of the script it was about drone warfare but I also think mm. that like that goes to the metaphor of like you're being replaced by CGI we don't need this anymore this is expensive this doesn't like people don't want this he's like I, right. people still want this you know what I mean so yeah 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 worked out for the best yeah so I do want to say that there I don't watch trailers and I did not pay attention to these trailers. One out this summer, one out next year. But before this movie, there were trailers for both Tom Tom actors. There was a trailer we got the trailer for Elvis and we got the oh trailer my. for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which I did not watch. But I was just like I wasn't sure what it was. I'm like I think I know what it is, but it did not seem like it gave things away. It was just kind of like right. shots. Like it seemed cool and it seemed just like oh this is going to be awesome. Yeah. So it was a very elusive trailer like it's very mysterious because you're there's no context whatsoever there's no setting up a plot this that like you basically just know a couple of the actors that are going to be in the movie you see them walking around a little bit and then i will say the final shot is sort of a a spoiler stunt i saw i I saw that but i also i'd also heard that or saw that on twitter i won't say what it is in case people want to go in blind i did not see the full thing like i don't know how we get there but i looked up and i was just like ah okay yeah well like that's you know i'd heard that but i did see Mm -hmm. vanessa kirby and simon Pegg, so i'm excited to have both them back and that's all i saw yeah yeah that's that's all there really is ving rames he's back and i think that's it now this is tom tom club can we hype elvis just a little bit because geez louise like I was ex- I thought I was excited. From what I'm hearing, I am now uber excited for this movie. I can't wait. I'm I'm like sweating, I'm waiting for this movie now, Joey. Like I know it's gonna be like a tough experience, but one I no, want. I don't think it's gonna be bad. I think it's gonna it's gonna be long. Maybe we'll see this one together because we're we'll have to do a crossover for Hanks of the Memories and Viva Pod Vegas. We'll do the yeah. same episode for both yeah. or something. We'll figure that out, but. I know that David Ehrlich, my favorite critic, because we share similar tastes in a lot of things, gave it a D and called it a nightmare, Oof, which yeah. literally only makes me more excited to see it. That's what I'm I talking know that about. There was a thing that went around that one of Elvis's songs in the movie is mashed up with both the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. And that just oh, only makes me more excited to see it. I can't wait. It's like, how dare you, Boz Lerman? And he's like, nothing is sacred. <laughs> I can't I wait. Mean, I can't come wait. Come on, man. Hey, I'm it's hoping for so I'm, good. I'm hoping for cats too. You know, like, but this now I know. It, like with cats, I didn't know. I don't think it's gonna be cats too. I, I don't. Cats was never gonna be good. I think there's a chance this is great that it just rubs some people the wrong way. There's also a chance that it's an absolute disaster. But yeah, yeah. There's a chance this is great. I was on 
board for you know because I like Baz Luhrmann's stuff you know I think he's an acquired taste but I love I like musicals and I like movies so I like what he's trying to do by like making these movie calls or whatever he wants to call them musical yeah. movie mashup crazy hijink things and stuff so like you know it looks like Gatsby it looks like all that kind of wackiness and uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'm game for it. Like, do something with the medium. Like, mash it up. Like, blend the old and the new. I don't know. Whatever you can do. I'm, I'm excited. So I'm excited. The one thing is, though, Hanks, man, like, that looks crazy. I don't know what he's going for, and I can't wait to find out. I am excited. Like, it's, you know, it's been a while. Like, I, it's no secret if people listen to the show, listen to Hanks and Memories, that I was not exactly... I was not thrilled with a lot of the Tom Hanks movies that we had to cover for that show. Whereas Tom Cruise, I'm like, all right, give me anything. Like even like the mummy, I'm like, "Eh, there's stuff here. Right. But this one, I'm just like, man, like I have not been looking forward to one of his movies like this since Toy Story four, probably. So like, you know, it's, that was more recent than mission (laughs) Impossible fallout, but there were like four or five movies since then. Right. So like it feels longer ago. Have either of them have really never done anything like, what Elvis looks like, like a Boz Lerman thing like that, have they, really? Well, Boz has only made, like, four or five movies. He's not done no, a ton. But, but there's, like, guys and gals sure. out there like him trying to do that kind of thing. You know, I guess the closest in the sort of shoot for the moon and hit sort of style is, like, Hank's in Cloud Atlas, you know? Like yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of thing I'm thinking about. Tom Cruise hasn't really done that, I don't think. I mean, he's doing other things, yeah. right? Like, he's not... Yeah, 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 yeah. But they haven't been, like, in a Harmony Corinne movie. They haven't done, like, a very... Like, they, they don't really do auteur stuff. Like, Tom Dude. Cruise has his couple guys, right? And, and Hanks is what? doing whatever. When are they going to get together and make a movie? That's good. That's when the podcast ends, right? That's the final episode, is they What, made Cruise and Hanks? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we were going to do that podcast that we're not going to do, but the Twice Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it was Leo and Brad Pitt, and, like, it would have ended, I guess, when we got to the the Tarantino movie, then we they would probably would have continued it. But like, yeah, it's like these two should come together in a way. And I don't know. It feels like they're on very divergent paths. It does. But now I see Hanks like behind the makeup as Colonel Parker. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> they should make a, something. They should make something. Again. I could also see Hanks showing up in a Mission Impossible as like the leader of MI Mission Impossible Secret Mission Force or whatever it's called. Or it'd be a nice twist to be like a villain. Oh, that would be nice. Right. I could see that. Well, Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, we'll be back with Cruise Club probably next year because I don't think he's out of the, I don't think there's anything between now and Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Nice. That's that. We'll got another Hanks movie this year for sure. And then I think Pinocchio and like other, probably oh other ones God. too. Pinocchio. I forgot all about that. Jeez. It's going to be a crazy Hanks year. Every, every year is a crazy Hanks year. Like he's our new cage in a way. <laughs> But yeah, every Tuesday, I have Too Fast, Too Forever. Every other Thursday, I have How to Win the Lottery, a book podcast. And every other Monday, I have 1999, the podcast, where John Brooks and I would... This does not exist. Actually, How to Win the Lottery didn't either. How to Win the Lottery, podcast, book club. Every other Thursday, me and my friend Bob read a book, talk about it. 1999, the podcast. Me and John Brooks, who has been on this show, I believe, probably, or he was at least on Hanks of the Memories, which is basically the same show. We go through the movies of 1999. So those are my ongoing, plus Mike and I do Cage and Keanu and Charlize and whatever when they're new things. But Mike, you have just one new show, right? The third time was still going on when we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. two years ago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah. tell the people where to find you. Yes, so Third Times of Charm still going on. The third installment in the franchise. That is the third of every month. So 
I almost said the first third of every month, but there's only one in a month. I think you said that in writing somewhere. I was just like, yeah, that's that's not wrong. <laughs> it's just too much information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since uh, since we've been away, I started a show with Dan Cologne, who was my horror consultant on Third Times of Charm. And together, we have a show called The Monsters That Made Us. It's the final Friday of every month, and we are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies, starting with the original gang, Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, Invisible Man... Uh, it's a monster party, final Friday of every month, so come check it out. Yeah, go to cageclub.me slash shows to find all of the ongoing podcasts, both active and sort of in hibernation, or just follow at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram to see where we are, what we're covering, what we're doing. And again, we'll be back next year for this. We'll be back for the other Tom Tom Club a couple times this year. And then just whenever there's a new Cage movie or whatever, we'll also drop an Elvis podcast. We have a Viva Pod Vegas, which we mentioned, which is just sort of whenever we get together in person, we do one of those. So very sporadic. Don't rely on us for that. But, you know, that's happening, too. Yeah, love the love the reviews on iTunes. They range from like half a star to five stars. <laughs> and which is accurate. I think that's fair. Yep. Agreed. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Cruise Club. Hold my hand, everything will be okay. I heard from the heavens that clouds have been gray. Pull me close, wrap me in your aching arms. I see that you're hurting Why'd you take so long To tell me